Hey everybody and welcome to episode 28 of Mastication Nation, the podcast that is reasonably confident that this is going to record properly. Thank you. Hold on, is it, hold on, is it 28? It I is 28. 29. I went back and looked. It's 28. Okay. Whiskey was okay. 26, episode X. Do you see what I did there? That was freaking clever for getting X in. It's the yeah. last episode. I called it episode X. It was a total uh, easy way out of doing an actual X episode, but actually... The universe decided that the episode that we recorded in Toronto with Will and Greg was not to be, but fortunately, um, Greg was kind enough to stand in for you, uh, Will, on our recent trip to Queens, which I'll talk about a little bit because uh, I fell in love with Queens completely, but it was a fun episode. People people seemed to like it, and it was... Greg and I have never really gone back and talked about what we've eaten in 40 episodes all over the world. I mean, we do reminisce. But uh, he he does talk about Borek like it emotionally abused him. Like frequently, it comes up. It comes up a lot, as much as it comes. You know, ex girlfriends come up. I know that like the podcast technically sits under the umbrella of of the attaché works, but it was really good to sort of do one that was really dedicated to attaché because while you are more than just a a food show on that you do all the travel stuff etc that that the food really does hit home and uh you mentioned in in the episode that you think that you may have forgotten some stuff i mean i think you you nailed most of it um the the stuff that you didn't enjoy uh yeah i i i'm glad i wasn't on those shoots the stuff that I didn't enjoy, uh, you didn't blow up my spot too much. That was one of the worst ex- culinary experiences of my life. No, you know, and I think you handled it with grace and aplomb, all things considered, because we've all had gross stuff. And, <laughs> I, you know, Greg, Greg does well, I think, because there's some things where you know, I I feel like I know Greg reasonably well, at least from from uh, from our forty episodes together, and I can see sometimes when he gives me a look going. If you love me, you'll kill me uh, <laughs> after he's eaten something. Uh, and, you know, what's funny, actually. It's, it, it, the, the chap that we mentioned uh, who, with Borek, uh, uh, Mate Yankovic, who, again, is just such a sweet and lovely guy and, and, and one of the best chefs, if not the best chef in Croatia. He posted recently, maybe even the day before yesterday, that he was eating Borek. And he posted a picture on Instagram. And it looked very different because I immediately sent it to Greg for dissection uh and it looked like it had like uh almost like a pork dim dim, dumpling mix in it and not the 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 fermented breast milk that was in the ones that we had it actually they probably saw you coming a mile away and did the whole look what i can make these uh tourists eat no because he he was very effusive about it and very passionate about it also entirely happened in will's house no i just not earthquake is that an earthquake no, and we have not we have not felt either of those earthquakes. Well, you are quite a long way away from them. I know. My father-in-law is driving down to LA right now and he's freaking out. I'm like, well, technically the earthquakes are as close to Las Vegas as they are to uh, to, to Los Angeles. So, well, you know, no, that'll I be think fun. you're safe. That'll be fun. Um, but no, thank you to Greg for stepping in and doing that twice. Uh, and thanks to Chris Ratcliffe for mentioning on Twitter that he really enjoyed the bonus episode. He missed you, Will, uh, but yes, but uh, enjoyed Greg having uh, sharing some nostalgia. We'll get Greg back on it at, at uh, appropriate intervals when our paths cross. Uh, and he actually he followed up in saying that um, because I'd mentioned Netflix street food show because of the takoyaki 
he went back and binge watched that and Bourdain's layover and uh, he opened up a new bottle of uh, what did he say? Cracked open the bourbon that drinks like a rye from at few spirits, which is the, Oh, that looks, a, that looks beautiful. That bottle is sort of Soviet. And he reassures you and says the next bottle will be a, a, an Eagle Rare. But, but it did, because we lost that episode in Toronto, we also lost all the feedback that we got about the whiskey episode, which was le- yeah. Legion. Yeah. And that was that was a really great episode. And I think there was a lot of information that was, um, you know, new to, new to us, even though, you know, we, we, we do enjoy our whiskey. Um, some of the, and I mean this in the best possible way, uh, the way that you can nerd out on whiskey is super fun. Um, and you, while you can become a bit of a wine snob or whiskey snob, uh, as we talked about the, the, the market sort of self corrects. Um, but it was great to hear all the feedback and we will definitely have to have him back on, on the podcast again to, you know, we barely scratched the surface and we, you know, somewhat stayed, in, in Japanese whiskey, but there's so much going on right now. And Chris, I, I'm forgive me if I'm letting a, a, any cats out of any bags here, but I think <coughs> get a little, right get a little emotional. Uh, Chris, <laughs> Chris was toying with the idea of starting his own whiskey podcast, and I would say that uh, his appearance on on this podcast was a ringing endorsement because he knows his stuff and he's he's really interesting to listen to. So, Chris, do it, do it for real, do it. I think I think yeah, you have absolutely. a lot to offer to the what's the what's the podcast version of the blogosphere? I'm sure it's in an equally offensive term. Um, yes, the the I have no podcastosphere. Ugh, no, I just yeah. I don't like saying that. <laughs> uh, but we we yeah we got some we got some great stuff there. Um, I think before we move on, we need to and this is going to come out. This is going to sound ridiculous, but. Uh, when it comes out, but we should raise whatever beverage we're drinking to the U.S. women's national team for their triumph. Yes, today, Sunday, Jan- July, January, July seventh, uh, twenty nineteen, in the women's World Cup, FIFA Women's World Cup, they beat a very spirited Netherlands team, Dutch team, two nil, and have gone back to back and have now won it four times. So well done, ladies, for being a good U.S. soccer team. <laughs> and hey if yeah, the men the, win the gold cup tonight well done guys it's the fucking gold cup no one cares exactly you beat the only other team that knows how to play soccer in the region yeah. in the, in, when you in can Mexico. just beat curacao i'm not getting as excited you know i yeah, know i'm watching that later tonight and uh it's if they lose i won't be disappointed if they win it's like well well done so yeah, yeah. uh yeah so anyway well done i i love watching the the women's world cup the just the the sportsmanship, the lack of diving, the the skill, the quality. I just love it. So well done to all of the teams involved. I'm re- very excited to uh, continue watching it and waiting for the American League to start actually paying players the money they deserve. I will say that the uh, team that I follow in the MLS, we're way off topic here. Uh, the Portland Timbers, uh, they have a, a a women's team in the NWSL. I mean, they don't; it's owned by the same person, Merritt Paulson, um, called the uh, Portland Thorns, and they're getting twenty thousand people to their to, to their game. As they every should. It's such. Week. It's. I mean, it's easy to paint with broad strokes, but it's it's such great soccer to watch generally and i was i was again massively off topic here i was horrified by some of the comments after england were knocked out because a they played well i think gary neville is a or phil or whatever whichever one it is uh neville 
is a great sportsman and I thought he carried himself brilliantly. Some of the comments from quote unquote football fans was, were disgusting and they should be ashamed of themselves because they, that team carried themselves brilliantly throughout. So well done. Yeah. Everybody. What a great tournament. Can't wait for it to come back in for flipping years. Uh, but again, thanks to everybody that tweeted us during our lengthy absence. It seems like a lot of people have been busy at the old, uh, at the old stovetop, uh, in our absence. Yeah, uh, pimp my dibber back uh, when I suggest I said sorry that the uh, Toronto episode had been uh, lost. That he said, uh, yeah, not hungry yet, and and, and took some photos of uh, what he'd been working on, and it looks like a, a really amazing looking. Um, I want to say almost like a honey honey yeah, roast. That's what I was ham, thinking, but on a grill, so it looks fantastic. Yeah, Ben, let us know what that monstrosity yeah. of wonderfulness is. And some good steak, um, and 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 some sausages, and then what looks like he's smoking his own, uh, his own either St. Louis or or baby back ribs. Uh, I know you got a little bit of uh, curvature going on there um, on the as your as your ribs are sort of curling back in on it on on themselves. And I wonder, did you remove on the backside? There's a connective casing, oh, connective tissue that runs along the back of the ribs that you really got to get in there with like the inside of a spoon and pull off because as it heats, it pulls back on itself and you sometimes can get this uh, curving on there. So I wonder if that's what you're seeing in your your smoking, shall we say there. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. And then Ross Manson. uh, Ross has been busy. Yeah, at Manson44. Hey, Mastication Nation and Cube Dollar, any plans for the next podcast? Well, yeah, here we are. We Sorry. Are. Uh, I've upped my cooking game since the last time you recorded. So here are some of the best things I've eaten. Uh, a wonderful looking sourdough that almost looks like those Japanese, um, uh, like, I don't know what they're called, but those cakes that are almost like, um, they almost look like they're foams and they look like sort of wobble and, mm-hmm. and they look so beautiful. Uh, some uh, bao buns, some sticky pork, some chocolate orange ganache with chocolate uh, chocolate soil and then uh, roast lamb. All of this looks fantastic, but your your bows look really, really good. And I'll be interested to know if you're making your bows from scratch because that's something I've never done. It's a lot of so work too. It, it is a lot of work. Uh, but keep these coming in. We're always interested to see uh, what you guys are eating. But jumping back real quick, because a number of people let us know what they're drinking mm. after the whiskey episode and our, our good friend, Joel Candia. And Joel, um, I would love to have you on yeah, the me podcast too. at some point. because Your story just gets some- more and more interesting. Yeah, there seems, and also I I know you're a teacher and you're on school vacation really? right now. So yeah, so uh, you know, it sounds like you have a bit more time than you would usually. The the reason I ask is because we we mentioned your your Twitter your Instagram account where you're posting most of your food stuff, but it seems like like almost like some sort of legal battle made you forced to shut it down because now you're a completely different Instagram account, and I can't quite understand because your old one hash tag joel whatever it was is no longer up and so we need to get the new one uh out to the public if it is a if it is a public one Uh, yeah i think i think some yeah people were jerks for some some reason and i you know maybe not so happy with him like giving some opinions on the western australian uh food no i I, yeah i i think joel you need to come on and you need to tell us your story because it it just it's so interesting and i know that your parents run a restaurant that looks wonderful perth is now my number one target destination yeah target yeah. target in the positive way uh yeah to get out to but australia he was saying, because he of was joel saying that yeah exactly and i've i've always had i've never 
been that I can remember, but I know a lot about the culture out there and some of my favorite bands are from there as well. Uh, but he said, uh, finally got to finish the whiskey episode. It was excellent resource. I'm unashamedly a Johnny Walker fiend and will, uh, will get every variety that they release. And he found this one, which is sweet Pete blended whiskey. And it's a really, I've, I'd never seen this before. Um, so I'm not the biggest Pete whiskey person, but, uh, I'd give it a shot if I saw it in a, uh, in a, in a in a store. So, um, do you drink Johnny Walker? Have you drunk Johnny Walker? I don't drink anymore. So, uh, have I drunk? Yes. You know what I did when I was on Emirates in first class? I drank pretty much everything they had because I'm like, I'm never gonna buy this, uh, and uh, and and no one else is ever gonna buy it for me. So I might as well experience it. I can't tell you what it tasted like. Yeah, because I that, forgot. I- yeah, there's all the the colors, and I don't really fully understand the, the color the coding. One, right? Or black, I don't know. That's from from what I understand. And then we had uh, Terry Ip at Terry Ip saying, "My wife and I have a varied collection of whiskeys, including some Lafroigs, McKellen Twelves, and Hibiki Twelve that I bought as soon as I heard ah, about the Japanese smart discounting man. whiskey." Yeah, um, and that was in feedback uh, to Chris, basically saying that he. While while on the podcast, we talked about like what a good entry level uh, whiskey might be for some people, and he was talking about sort of like the styles that you should be looking for. But he he came back and actually provided us with a uh, specific example. He said, uh, "You need a starting place, but with no experience, it can be a random. Uh, you, you could be buying a random bottle and playing that crapshoot. I'd always suggest Abalor. Is that right?" Abelor, uh, keenly priced and un- under underrated, a great first dram. So and that's from the a- man himself. So yeah, A B E R L O U R. So uh, I don't know what that runs you in uh, in in England. I have found by talking to Chris that the the bourbon scene is a, no different than than uh, what's the word I'm looking for the ripoff Britain as it were where if you pay in dollars you'll pay in pounds uh, because we were talking about Eagle Rare really? and Eagle Rare here you're paying less than thirty dollars and well, al- in- alcohol is unusual because we pay import duty on it you do and I know it's a VAT on there as well not that we have a, we have a, that as well but apparently you're paying about thirty to five to forty quid for the same bottle. In England, so uh, maybe I should get into bootlegging whiskey. Well, I don't know. I mean, you're going to pay 35 to 40 pounds for a really, really good bottle of wine, and you're going to smash that in a night, whereas a good bottle of whiskey ought to last you a while. Yeah. Unless you have an unhealthy relationship with that or yourself. Yeah, exactly. And then lastly, on the whiskey things, uh, our, our good friend Craig McCormick over at Glen Effrick, uh mentioned that he and his brewing friends uh, have an extensive whiskey barrel aging collection. Uh, what don't you have, diff- Craig? Yeah, 150 different uh, barrels where you're aging your beer. So, And I think it's important to mention that Will is rocking the Glen Affric t-shirt today. Yes, yes, I am. I am. Um, it is a wonderful T-shirt, and I really, really enjoy your uh, what's iconography, your logos. Uh, That's cool, I isn't they, it? I have a sticker on yeah. my fridge. I have a T-shirt. I, I, I'm yeah, big fan. In fact, we're, no, we're not sponsored. We're not. We, you know, we're we fans. <laughs> we're fans. So if we like what you do, then we're going to talk about you. And actually, that segues beautifully in a completely unscripted and unplanned way into what we're drinking because i'm gonna go first and tell you i am drinking the glen Affric rhubarb sugar-free pop and it's bloody delicious it's my last one as well uh, <laughs> because i had to fight my literally fight my children for it uh 
because they are such big fans of not that like my kids drink soda very often, but this is sparkling fruit juice. Why pop? Because that's that that has a very oh, so uh, specific yeah Mil Milwaukee. That. Yeah, Milwaukee, and I just and think it's Canada. fun to say. And Canada says pop as well. Well, that's appropriate given this this yeah. topic. Top of your I tell you what, this tastes like all you all you British listeners. The Glenafric sugar free rhubarb pop tastes like rhubarb and custard sweets that you would buy in a quarter from the sweet shop. Uh, and if that doesn't bring you back to your days of misspent youth, then I don't know what will. Yes, yeah, I'll have to. T- I'll have to try them. I know. I asked if they would send to the to the U.S. I'll bring but some. I understand. Okay, I'll see you in a few weeks. I'll bring some, Craig. I, if you have anything I should particularly send over or bring over, then let me know, and I'll I'll bring it over. I am drinking because I'm the degenerate of this group. Um, also, I cycled sixty miles two days ago, and I need a beer. Mm-hmm. While we're at that, I want you all right now to pause the podcast. Go to pmc.org pmc papa mike charlie.org and search for will hunter and sponsor him because in august he along with a few other degenerates are going to be biking nearly 90 miles to raise money for cancer research uh and i want you to go all and give generously to will right now and then come back and unpause and listen to the rest of the episode thank you very much my father-in-law was here with me who would also be writing um my father-in-law was, was with you too and he will also be writing as will i and our father I know Lots it's like fathers. a real father-son bond- yeah, bonding thing. Yeah, horrendous. Um, but I'm drinking uh, Boont Amber Ale by Anderson Valley. I think I've uh, drank this before on I like the those uh, guys. yeah on on the podcast. I enjoy it because it's about two and a half hours, three hours north of of San Francisco. But what I love is a their um, solar panel, so everything is really sustain- sustainable. Yep, um, and I love their their. So if, tell me if you can see this. Uh, see you see? Ah, oh, clever. Y- but how close is that to the Glen Effort design? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so it's, it's it's got a not not in the 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 styling of it all, but their logo is a bear with antler horns, and the Glen Effort is uh, almost like a Viking helmet with um, with spikes coming out of it as well. Um, theirs is inspired uh, Boone Amber Ale. That is is inspired by the merging of the original European settlers and the original Native Americans that lived there, um, and it was all about this mysterious sort of crypto culture that was out not. Wait, cryptozoid culture that was out there about not these weird cryptocurrency that... culture. No, no, more like um, the New Jersey Devil and uh, you know mm. Swamp Man. I cannot tell you how good this is. By the way, it's <laughs> really delicious. And I, if 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 Glen Af- Afric were paying us, I would be a lot less effusive in my endorsements. But uh, yeah. well, yeah, I think uh, you not drinking is a great example of a good good opportunity for you to branch out and try some stuff that you probably usually wouldn't try. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I would be drinking myself into a stupor uh, <laughs> the, ordinarily. The last thing I want to touch upon on on, on liquids, shall we say, is um, the 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 San Pelly boys. Um, <laughs> Greg's, Greg's. You know, I think uh, we should go back because Greg did offend a lot of people with his bizarre and unintelligible West Country twang. People yeah. said they couldn't understand a word he was saying. Uh, they did not appreciate his uh, liberal use of profanity and ethnic <laughs> slurs. Uh, <laughs> no, Greg was wonderful. Uh, but he, yes, but, he did refer to himself as a sand belly boy, which yeah, is not the it, first time he's done that, which is, 
Yeah. Odd. But uh, I've ha- I had multiple people reach out to me asking if it was true that you can really get sparkling water in England for 20 odd. 17 P. P. For 17 P. 17 for two and a half P. liters. Yeah. I think that, you know, we're, this is the only time that things are cheaper in England than they are in the US. Um, I know that the LaCroix thing hasn't, hasn't jumped up into Amer- into English culture yet. Uh, and the, how they are getting, you hit the nail on the head. They are getting smashed because it's, um, well, you said it. You said it in the aborted version of the, uh, podcast where Toronto. Yeah. So, yeah. It's second mover advantage. Everyone's figured out that like people want, uh, a glass of sparkling, um, TV static with a lemon in the other room. Um, you know, it's not that tasty um, for me, but everyone seems to love it. And now everyone is is chiming on it, in on it, and and it's you know whatever. But I do want to see San Pelli United or San Pelli Boys uh, t shirt. I'm going to get Greg a San Pelli Boys t shirt or San Pelli Boys. <laughs> and I, yeah, it's that is not an exaggeration to whoever asked that. 17p at Tesco. If you go to Waitrose. It's 47p because somehow their artificially carbonated water is more valuable. Uh, that brings us rather elegantly on, now that you're back in the room, to the best thing that you've eaten since we last recorded. And, and we should re- we should include all the time that we lost, so we can go back a long way. I talked about the last thing that I ate, but you didn't get a chance to talk about the last thing that you ate, so dazzle us. <laughs> well, as I as you as you mentioned on the last episode that I was not there in person but was there in spirit on um i was in florida with my wife uh i was down in the florida keys my first ever time to florida Mm. which is kind of crazy considering how big of a state it is but i do live on the west coast so it is a bit of a journey um so yes we spent a week in the florida keys and with that comes fantastic seafood as you are on the caribbean basically. Um, and so I ate a lot of fish and a lot of seafood, but the best thing I ate was a whole fried, uh, yellowtail snapper. You sent me a picture. It looked amazing. Yeah. It was literally the size of like a rugby ball. Um, and they, they'd fried it perfectly, scored the skin so that you could just get in there and eat it. And by the end of it, it looked like, uh, you know, those cartoons when it's just the tail and the head and all the rib bones in the middle. And, you know, I used to not be the biggest fish eater when I was younger. If it wasn't, you know, Gordon's fish sticks or whatever, I wasn't a big bird's eye fish fingers. I wasn't a fan. Uh, but actually saying that there's nothing better than uh, bird's eye fish fingers on white bread with, with ketchup. You know, or tartar sauce. Yep, 100%. Or tartar sauce, um, but I ate my 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 weight in, in seafood while I was down there. But that that took the the, the biscuit. But I had some wonderful um, uh, fried chicken, sorry, fried fish sandwiches at Playa uh, at uh, sorry at a uh, Key Lager Fisheries. A um, lot of key lime pie, which is down from there. Uh, what else did I have? Um, some some good sushi while I was down there. Some good uh, some good hamachi and a couple other things. But yeah, that was that the the whole fried yellowtail snapper was was great because also the next day I got to see it in its natural environment in while I went snorkeling. It's like I ate you. So <laughs> don't piss me off. <laughs> yeah, it looked amazing. The picture you sent looked absolutely incredible. Yeah. So, uh, do you get to have a second go at this? Have you eaten anything since you last recorded? Yes, we ate a lot in in Queens. Uh, yeah. So that's the next. That's going to be an upcoming ap- attaché episode. Queens. I'm going to tell you now. Qu- Queens is amazing. Queens, I absolutely fell in love with. Queens is the best place I've been to in a long time, which is like saying 
South London because it's huge, absolutely huge. Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. I ate many, many wonderful things, many of which you'll see on the episode, so I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag. Off camera, uh, we went to a couple of places and had various treats and snacks and breakfasts and things. We had breakfast at a place uh, on Roosevelt, which isn't massively helpful because it's very long, but it's the sort of artery of Queens. And it was a bakery. It was very early in the morning, but they had a cheesecake on display and from the moment I saw that, I needed a piece of New York cheesecake. And I went, I had dinner with our wonderful cousins in Manhattan. Oh, nice. Uh, and that was great to see them. They live over there. Cecilia and George, hello. I know you don't listen to this, but there we are. Uh, <laughs> and I came back and I just wanted a piece of cheesecake while I was in New York. So I went to a, a bakery that was highly reputed, uh, reputable had a great reputation uh, around the corner from our Airbnb in Sunnyside. And I got a piece of cheesecake and I took one bite and I was furious and put the rest of it in the bin. It wasn't good enough. So the next day we had a free day because we pretty much finished filming. We had a few last bits to do. Went to Manhattan, went to the Strand Bookstore, which is one of my favorite places on earth. And then I went and had a slice at uh, Sauce Pizzeria in the village. Okay. Uh, East 12th and 1st, if uh, Scott Wiener of uh, Scott's Pizza Tours, I would love to know what you think of that place. I loved it. It was incredibly highly recommended. Great stuff. But then I went around the corner to Veniero's, and that is a uh, – what is the Italian word for bake, for, for patisserie? I think it's patisseria. It's not a trattoria. That's a more That's of a, a Yeah, I think it's a patisseria. They've been around since okay. the 1890s. There, uh, their specialty is cannoli, but they also specialty specialize in cheesecake. And I had the most divine New York style cheesecake with strawberries. And I sat there alone. I was the only person in the restaurant. I read my my books that I bought at uh, at the Strand, and I was utterly contented. It was so damn good. Wow, it's rare that we get a sweet thing as the best thing. I'm, I'm not a sweet guy, but that 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 touched my soul. I needed that. Awesome. Like I don't, I only, I need to do more exploring in, in New York. I only really know Manhattan and a little bit of Brooklyn. So uh, I'm very excited to see the Queens episode. <laughs> Queens is the most diverse uh, urban area on earth. Yeah, uh, I think I might contest that. Nope, Toronto. I did the research because we also say that Toronto is the most because Queens is not a city, it's, oh, I get what you're it's harder. But but if Queens was a city, it would be the fourth largest city in America, uh, in North America, actually, uh, by population. It is the most diverse urban area on Earth. And I have, I mean, it. Toronto impressed me. And the whole, ep- this episode is why, why was he is the airport code for Toronto and also a Rush song, who are Canadian. Uh, we, this episode is about Toronto. But before we get there, Queens is, is, is staggering. I have. There were, I mean, how often do you go to a place and see 12 Tibetan restaurants, let alone a Tibetan restaurant? You know, yeah, it was, yeah. it was, I, I cannot tell you guys enough. Go to Manhattan, look at all the things and then go to Queens. Spend the rest <laughs> of your time in Queens because Queens is a huge and b wonderful. But yeah, we're not talking about Queens today. We're talking about Toronto. What a great city. Exactly. Yeah. And like. I'd been pushing an episode for, 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 I don't know, years. As had, it is our single most requested uh, destination of all time. And 
and what I found really interesting about the requests and the comment, uh, this is purely based on on screen names and 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 avatar photos, is that the people who were requesting it did not look like what you'd think is, you know, a Mike Myers, Torontonian white person. They were all incredibly multicultural, yeah, and which I is what Toronto the, yeah, is. Yeah, I was I was not excited about filming Toronto because I had been there before and it didn't make me I didn't feel anything. It didn't make me feel anything. But your your cajoling and cheap airfares uh, made me made me do it and I am now a massive fan of Toronto. I love it. It was such a great city. Yeah, and the the so the actual Let's put it this way. The point of contention between Queens, you know, whole thing about the city is uh, Toronto, with around half of its population born outside the country. Toronto is often referred to as the most multicultural city in the world. Uh, located in Canada, the city boasts 200 ethnic groups with over 140 languages spoken. And so as a city, that was abundantly clear because you're walking down the street and like from outside the Airbnb was an Eritrean restaurant. Or if you want, you know, Korean, there's a fantastic Korea town. Like I got there a day after you guys. And you said that you had a wonderful time, uh, walking around, around yeah. Korea town. We should, we should say, Will Will was there. Will, Will was there with us when we filmed, which is a, which is a very special treat as a former Toronto resident and yes. enthusiast. Uh, it was great to have you <laughs> on the shoot and we did a lot of fun stuff, which you'll see ha- maybe have already seen in the episode. But uh, yeah, we, we wandered, we walked and walked and walked and walked and walked. And what impressed me about Toronto at, at a societal and cultural and community level and at a, at a culinary level was you, you, instead of having this sort of blending of, uh, of ethnic groups into the into the fabric of a city which you which is great and you have that in something london is the epitome of that you, you had this just admirable balance of integration but also maintaining one's own ethnic identity so you would have a Korean bakery where we stopped off and had these little madelines that were produced on this sort of circa 1930s mechanical device like machine like it was a machine it was fully on display that only served things that you would very easily see in seoul and the the department stores were not department store convenience stores were, were korean and the hardware store was korean and then you go a few blocks and then you'd have you know all of these hong kong chinese uh stores and brands i've never seen that anywhere i don't think yeah, and I think and I, I'm I'm blanking on the guy's name who took us around. Um, Kevin Durkee at, at in St. Lawrence, yeah, yeah, Culinary right, Adventures, La- yeah, yeah. So we we did a tour of St. Lawrence Market, which is uh, a wonderful bar market style, uh, uh, you know, market in the middle of the city, which we'll get onto in a minute. But he had a really nice uh, approach to it, and I think it's so indicative uh, of specifically Toronto, which. This will link up in a second. And he basically said, you know, you Americans, because he could tell that I was American. Um, and Alex kind of sounded American and Greg sounds Welsh. Um, and he was basically saying, you Americans, you know, you love people coming to your country, um, but you assimilate them really, really quickly. You are American first and then you are something else second. He's like, we want to be the world's best tossed salad. Everything that works was together. It. That was it. God yeah. Damn it. We didn't include that in the episode, but it was a beautiful quote. 
Yeah, he's like, we want to be the world's best tall salad. We want everything to work together, but you want to be able to say that is a tomato, that is a, a piece of uh, greens, that is an onion, that's crouton. And they all work together to make the best tasting thing and they're not homogenized. And I think this only works in Toronto because Toronto, uh, the thing I kind of had to put over to, Al- to Alex when we were researching this episode was – he was like, well, what is Toronto known for? I'm like, nothing, absolutely nothing. There's no intrinsic Torontonian food. There's no intrinsic Torontonian food culture. It, what it did was like, hey guys, we are just a melting pot of, you know, of, of, uh, good opportunities and the intersection of the entire country. Mm-hmm. So everyone just come here and make what you want. And that's why you have some of the best Korean, uh, Afro Caribbean, uh, little Italy, little Portugal, uh, the Asian community, the African community, the, the South American community, which you would get one overriding the other in a lot of other places. Um, you know, like in New York, Lily is a huge area. The Jewish population is very pronounced in Toronto as well, but they all sort of balance each other out. And I really liked his approach to that. And that wasn't one person saying that all my Toronto, t- Torontonian friends would say the same thing as a point of pride. Yeah. And as they should, because the, the balance was was admirable and I think unique in my in my experience as well. So the more power to them. And actually, you, you touched on our we we stayed in an Air, Airbnb in the Christie Pitts area, which I loved because it was suburbia. But there was, you know, there was a uh, a great coffee shop at well at the end of the block that uh, Greg and I frequented, and you were walking distance to to basically everything. I mean, you were on the on on this side of uh well if you know toronto it's northeast of the city itself and you're you walk through koreatown chinatown uh you kind of walk to the west of of is it little portugal uh you walk a little you are walking east of little portugal but it is little portugal right yeah 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 so you walk through all of these wonderful uh i mean Enclave makes it sound fortified, but it wasn't. It was just, it was very welcoming. And they sort of, there's clear demarcations, but also it's not kind of caricature and and, and a borderline offensive with makeshift pagodas and stuff as you move into Chinatown. It's just, this is where the Hong Kong Chinese that came over a century ago have congregated. And, uh, we, you know, we, we all ate some great food. You got, I think, I think in our time there, we ate Korean, Japanese, Eritrean, Portuguese, Mexican, Mexican, whatever Momofuku is. I mean, I think we had, you know, the, the noodles, the blend of, of, of everything there. So, uh, we yeah, went, we it, went to that. We met you in a, in a phenomenal little old school diner where Guy Fieri had given his stamp of approval. And you've heard me on layovers and on this show talk about my admiration for guy fieri as a human being but maybe less so about his culinary wizard (laughs) but as a human being i have unlimited respect for him so i was honored to dine there yeah and i i i really enjoy everything about it and and to touch upon um uh the market a little bit more um St. Lawrence Market. It, it, we were we were going through it, and you know we were getting shots for the for the episode, and sort of sort of jumping in where we saw interesting stuff. And uh, and the the tour guide was you know best mates with everybody, so we knew where exactly where we were going to get the best stuff. And um, the things that I found really interesting about about the market was 
it was a clearinghouse for the rest of the country. Like all the best ingredients from around the country were going to end up there. And so we had some of the best um, smoked salmon from both coasts. We had oysters, oysters. there from, from from Prince Edward Island uh, and Nova Scotia and some all the way out to, to British Columbia. But it wasn't cost prohibitive. Um, I don't know what was going on, but it was all very, very uh, affordable. We had that uh, smoked salmon done three ways or two ways or three ways, but it was like a regular one. And then there was a vodka dill one, which was phenomenal, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, a little bit of squeeze of lemon on there. Uh, and then, and then moving over into the cheeses a little bit more. Um, I think I've railed against the fact that it's kind of hard in, in certain states in the U.S. to get unpasteurized milk without very special, um, dispensations. The, the Canadians are a little bit more open to that. So you can get some, some really interesting, uh, raw cheese milks. And the, the, again, I forgot his name. Uh, one more time for, for luck. Kevin Durkee of Culinary Adventures. What a great ambassador for Torontonian food. Exactly. Kevin used to run a restaurant that specialized in Canadian cheeses, uh, amongst other cheeses. But he was letting us know that, like, you know, there's nothing wrong with um, pasteurized milk. You can do some really, really interesting stuff with it. But if you want to have that sort of, you know, uh, slightly more avant-garde flavor, you're going to lose some of those edges on on pasteurized milk. And I actually, uh, I'm sure I probably should have been arrested. Um, we were getting all this food everywhere we're going and as you're eating a lot throughout the day you don't want to fill up I made this big chunk of cheese that uh let's just say it came back with me to the u.s and it was a big chunk of um i don't know what it was but it was like a, i think it was a canadian cheddar that you could really taste the the um did you crystallized... buy no no you know that whole brick oh, that yeah, uh yeah. that we had i just smuggled it back to the u.s and i didn't had those... know that yeah, it had the crystallized um Oh yeah, the chunks, cloth, chunks the cloth of cheese. yeah, oh my goodness. Yeah. And and one really interesting fact that he he or technique he told me was like you should never cut with a straight knife uh well a knife these cheese. You should break them up so that they become more um abnormal shapes and have crannies and and, and uh, cracks in them to let it naturally break along the the lines, but also increase the surface area so that it's got more in your mouth to let that flavor out, which I really appreciated. He was a wealth of knowledge. He was a wealth of knowledge and I think an enthusiasm as well. Yeah. Uh, game yeah. recognizes game. Ga- exactly. Exactly. I think we got on like a house on fire. Uh, so look them up if you're ever in Toronto, uh, culinary adventures. And they don't just do St. Lawrence. They do, and they're all over Canada as well. They, Kevin just is just a food guy and he appreciated it on every, on every level that we do. And we, immediately clicked which which always <laughs> helps yeah exactly um and to sort of back up a little bit on 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 toronto itself um the city is kind of like a a, a a park where the city built into it it's very green and you'll notice from the the helicopter footage the avi- uh, the aerial footage we got from the episode um you know everything looks like the suburbs but it's right next to downtown yeah. and they've done a really good job of like some of the most wonderful little tree-lined streets that are uh, you know two blocks from the cbd um and my favorite example of this is and you 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 left uh after the, the the market and Greg and I still stuck around because he had another you know six seven hours in the, in the city and I had another two days um, 
we went out to my favorite place in the entire of of Toronto, which is the the Toronto Islands, where you know you may hear that and you think, oh, that's where Billy Bishop is, which is the local London City Airport of it, and you can walk from downtown um, Toronto under a bri- under a, a, the water and be be on this little island that you know you have flights to New York or flights to provincial Canada on, but the rest of this island chain goes out into into Lake Ontario and um it is the largest urban area with no vehicles on it in North America. That's and amazing. It, you 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 get on a ferry to my favorite one, which is Ward's Island, and it takes, you know, five minutes on your ferry to get out there. And you you, you can see the CN Tower, you can see uh the stadium, the the, the downtown skyline and you turn around and you're in a, you know, Hampshire village. It's uh it's all, you know, tree-lined uh gardens and old craftsman home. Greg was already looking into, you know, whether or not he could afford somewhere there. And for those that are interested, the houses are very very affordable, but you never ever actually own them. You lease the house for 99 years from the Canadian government really? and you can re- renew it if you want. Yeah. And so the, the plots of land never go up for sale kind of thing. Um, but, you know, we we went there on a beautiful sunny day, sat at a, at a pub uh, outside and just watched the world go by and you can't hear the, 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 the city. And then all of a sudden you just walk back to the ferry terminal and in five minutes you're back in amongst, you know, we were there during the the uh, NBA Finals. Congratulations, Toronto Raptors uh, against the against the Warriors. Um, but you know, it was like it was it was heaving, and you could tell the, the there was an electric buzz around the city that you would have no idea that was there if you were spending your afternoon uh, on on Ward Island or Algonquin Island. That's a hard word to say, but yeah, next time you're out there, because I know you weren't didn't have a chance to get out there, um, you need to get out there. Hopefully, Greg got some good footage from it. Apparently, I owe O Striker an apology. Perhaps not yes, on this, not on this podcast, but on the other podcast on layovers, because I said that uh, he should be backing the Warriors. I stand by that because I don't care if you're a Kings fan. When it's geographic rivals, you, you the team helps the team. To quote, <laughs> no. To quote, quote my father-in-law. Uh, no, because you wouldn't have a Man City fan supporting Man United in the Champions yeah. League final. Yes, you. I think you might. Okay, you our might. soccer fans out there, when when do you, when do you drop the? There's the when does patriotism usurp um, club loyalty? Tribalism. Tribalism. Yeah. yeah, perfect. Exactly. That's much more elegant. Uh, <laughs> answers on a postcard. Uh, so one of the things that we ate in in St. Lawrence Market was pea-meal bacon. Had you had pea-meal bacon before? Yes, when I lived there. I lived in Toronto when I was 19 uh, for about three or four months. Um, no, no, hold on. That's wrong. When I was like 22. I, I literally just graduated college and moved in with my good friend Dan in Toronto and uh, then moved to Boston. But um, I was there for the summer of whatever year that was and um, ate very, very well because – uh, I was, I had a wonderful kitchen and his parents, his parents had like this basement, like basements don't exist in the West coast. So basement, uh, apartments are always kind of fun. Uh, and in Toronto, it stays cool there in the mercilessly hot, humid summers that they get there. Um, but pea meal was always an interesting one. So obviously everyone knows what Canadian bacon is. And if you don't, 
you know, quick crash course. You got American style streaky bacon, um, which is the belly, and you've got English style uh, loin bacon, which has the the eye of the loin and then a little bit of the belly. Uh, Canadian bacon is just the loin, and it's been cured, and so it's kind of like people say, oh, it's just like glorified ham. Kind of isn't. Uh, and then pea meal is just basically it's been rolled in uh, pulverized pea on the outside of it. So you got this yellowy greeny dust i guess on the outside of it and then they fry it up um on a griddle and it's lightly smoked um and then they put it on a sandwich and stack it four five six deep and put it on a roll we had it with egg one with egg and one without and the egg was life-changing the egg was really really good but you think oh this has no fat in it it's going to be really really dry and chewy no nope. and we all it it was so oh my god moist and tender and we were there at what like a nine ten thirty eleven yeah, yeah. maybe um and people were coming in like construction workers were coming in off the street to get their pea meal sandwich because that was their version of a bacon buddy and a coffee for the like the English equivalent or a Dunkin' Donuts in in, in the U S but it was so good um I don't know why it hasn't traveled yeah the those were life-changing sandwiches and and you're so right about the whole moisture thing or they were just they were perfect and and again kevin wonderful guy look him up culinary adventures in uh in toronto and other cities throughout canada very interesting to see what they do in montreal uh we as you've heard and you've heard me vent about in multiple episodes now we we tried to record this and you and greg went out to go and procure yourselves some beers for the yes. episode, I had a wonderful diet Dr Pepper waiting for me, but uh, you guys took an inordinate amount of time because of uh, well, explain why it was so difficult. So um, there are many states in the U.S. where alcohol, the selling of alcohol, is restricted to certain uh, times of of the day or certain time, week times of the week. Like I think certain uh, southern states, you can't buy alcohol on Sundays. Uh, same in South Africa. I don't know if that law has been changed. Um, but in Canada, specifically in Ontario, all alcohol until very, very recently had to be sold from two separate locations and nowhere else. And they were government – one was government 100% run. One was more of a franchise. Uh, and they were, one was called the LCBO, which is the Liquor Control Board of Ontario. And it just says in, in very nice green writing, LCBO. And they look like just, you know, supermarkets that sell nothing but alcohol. And the other one is called, in the typically inventive way that the Canadians can do sometimes, the beer store. Uh, and that is a semi-private uh, company that sells nothing but beer and I think soda sometimes, but not where we were. So you can't just walk into a supermarket, which I – completely spaced on and was like hey where's your alcohol it's like this is canada you can't do that like oh crap so went for a walk tried to find some some alcohol but i guess it makes sense because you can like control the the um i don't know what you want to call it the the flow of alcohol and the taxation is a lot easier but i did some reading up on this because i did notice that while we were there a law had passed saying that they are going to start rolling it out to uh, about 350 supermarkets across the, the province um, in Ontario for you to be able to buy wherever you want. And then on further digging, it seems that the beer store specifically uh, has had its license revoked uh, to be the sort of private equivalent of the only game in town. Uh, in June 2019, so right when we were there, 
the provincial government passed legislation to terminate its 10-year contract with the company six years prior to ex- expiry. Continued negotiations with TBS were underway prior to the actual enactment of the legislation. This step was a prelude to making beer widely available in a variety of stores in Ontario. So basically, you could go to this supermarket and buy your beer. I think the LCBO, which is the more government-organized one, uh, where the harder alcohol mostly is sold uh i think they still want to keep a keep a keep track of that but yeah if you want to buy your 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 beer the only place you can buy it outside of those two places are restaurants and brewery direct which i it was why the brewery and the um craft brew um movement in ontario is pretty solid because they don't they don't have to compete with beer being sold elsewhere oh that's interesting yeah so you got your uh Diet Dr. Pepper eventually, uh, and Greg and I had our, our our lovely local local brewskis. And I paid like fifteen bucks for a Sleeman's, which I couldn't drink at a Toronto Blue Jays game. Why did you buy it then? Uh, because we needed to do the rundown. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, look, Toronto is a fairly affordable city, but you're if you go to a stadium, you're going to get gouged. It was a great game. They beat the. So if you got. You got oh the the dome was closed, but it was like torrential downpour. Yeah, right? it was the end of the world rain. So, but the dome was closed because it's dome because it's Toronto. So, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I yeah I I think uh, we you know we we went to Momofuku, which is uh, in the CBD, and uh, I had Schemen, and I think I can't remember what you what you and Greg had. Want to get we Greg, had the right? spicy the spicy beef noodles both of you um oh i had a i I don't know about him all i know is that we were our our noses were watering a little bit by the end of it i think you guys both had the same thing yeah and then i moved i moved over to uh little portugal which you mentioned earlier once you guys had left uh and little portugal is um the hippest place on this on in, in canada it's their version of shortage it's their version of brooklyn um but it, when i lived there it wasn't little literally was and i love the fact that it's like all the ethnic enclaves um that have become like these these hip and happening places so when i booked my airbnb and it was like yeah stone throw away from the hippest place in, in toronto i was like oh cool cool and i got there and I went out and had dinner with uh, my good buddy Dan and um, went to this wonderful, like, new Thai sort of tapas place called Seuss um, and did their tasting menu there. And their rendang beef short rib curry was out of sight. That sounds amazing. Uh, yeah, it was really, really good. But that whole area, um, you know, you'd be walking down there and you've got, like, you know, restaurant, bar, hip place selling designer t-shirts you know uh record stores and you can attest to this how amazing toronto is for used books and used records oh my god the used bookstores are like nothing i've ever experienced in my life yeah yeah for those who've never seen scott pilgrim versus the world and you think oh it's just a hyper real version of toronto yes in some aspects of it but it really is the epicenter of like good music good uh good arts and and they don't want to make it cost prohibitive so my favorite bookstore we went into which was in the annex neighborhood where i used to live and uh that's where i bought my first ever uh my first edition copy of the leal cookbook when i was living there um and so it has a very special place in my heart but uh greg found some some Pulp Fiction written by George R.R. R. Martin, which was kind of cool mm-hmm. um, before he I, went on I to Game of Thrones. I spent way too much money in those places. 
<laughs> Sounds like you did the same thing in Queens. Uh, so I know we're getting Oof, off, yeah. off topic because, uh, you know, uh, around food that we usually do. But, you know, we did the YYZ. We did sorry, we did Toronto for the Attaché episode. And, um, you know, I was so happy that everybody had such a great experience while they mm. were there. You, when you invest in something that, A, you may have rose-tinted glasses from because I have such fond memories from spending a lot of my childhood there. And then, you know, my, my early formative adult years there, um, going back as somebody who, you know, has a little bit more money to be able to do some stuff that was maybe cost prohibitive when I was younger or going there to try and recapture some sort of, you know, fun past. I felt that it really stood up and it's for those six weeks of summer that Canadians get, it is hard to beat anywhere in the world. I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan a huge convert i can't wait to go back maybe not in january i loved it i was so impressed by it i even looked i started looking at real estate uh and then i was i threw up in my mouth a little bit when i saw the prices there but yeah uh what a great city loved it yeah and so uh you know obviously i think that the, the episode will be out by then um i have not seen it um but i will have by the time this goes live um, I'm hoping that the little piece of magic that is Toronto, uh, the the often maligned uh, city that is not the capital of the country, that would be Ottawa, um, is you know often referred to as New York if it was run by the Swiss. And uh, I don't think that is necessarily a bad thing because it is incredibly clean, incredibly efficient. The everyone is working together for the same common goal. And if you haven't got the chance, if you've never been before. Get the chance to go. It really is a wonderful place. Yeah, I, I I can't recommend it enough. Go 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 go, and pray you don't get caught in the immigration queue that I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was fine. I weird, weird. I landed and went straight through. But when I took off, um, you know, this is more of potentially a conversation for layovers. But my Cal Ripken like streak of um solid experience with Air Canada, who unfortunately. Uh, run the monopoly uh, for most air, uh, Canadian um, aviation. They really need some some competition up there. Had been really really good for about ten years, and then uh, my my flight out uh, like like a <sighs> thunderbolt from the sky. They went back to being their usual pedantic selves and not oh, being oh. very helpful. So um, you know, besides that, it was a wonderful trip and. Um, I'm 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 interested to see if you guys ever do Montreal and and yes, how that we will eventually that stacks up. I mean Montreal is wonderful, great food scene as well. Um, but it is dominated by the French Canadians, um, and w- with all the great things that it comes with, sometimes other um, other areas can't shine as bright. There you go. Well, I I, I can't recommend it enough. We will be back soon with Zed, and actually, I, I want to. I think we'll do Zed, and then we'll we'll, we'll come back to uh, a special uh, end of end of the alphabet episode because there's a few people we want to get on the show to talk about their 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 areas of expertise. Uh, but I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to California in one week, so we will be recording in the same time zone, which really seems to prove harder than <laughs> uh, than when we're in different time zones. But until then, everybody will eat well. 